Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of What's New in History. Remember, when someone asks you what's new, say, what's new in history? That's what's new. Like, for example, if you're in the break room and you're getting yourself a Keurig and you're stealing the K-Cups and a coworker comes in and says, hey, what's new? And you just quickly say, what's new in history? That's what's new. So, okay. This episode is a special episode we are doing, I should say I am doing, with Gil from a podcast of Biblical Proportions. This is our discussion, and we are talking about an article that was in the Smithsonian Magazine by a correspondent named Andrew Lawler, and it's about a new book by an archaeologist from Israel named Jonathan Adler from Ariel University. And the article is, Is Judaism a Younger Religion Than Previously Thought? So I'm going to just quote a little bit from the article before we get into our discussion. So I'm quoting right from the article here. It's the grandparent of Islam and Christianity and one of the world's oldest surviving religions, by some accounts dating back nearly 4,000 years. This, at least, has long been a common view of Judaism, but now an Israeli archaeologist is challenging those long-held assumptions. Based on 15 years of studying textual and archaeological evidence, Jonathan Adler of Ariel University in the West Bank concludes that ordinary Judeans didn't consistently celebrate Passover, hold the Sabbath sacred, or practice other traditional forms of Jewish ritual until a century or so before the birth of Jesus. If this theory proves correct, then Judaism is at best Christianity's elder sibling and a younger cousin to the religions of ancient Greece and Rome. Adler lays out his case in a new book, The Origins of Judaism, published um, by Yale University Press. He argues that standard Jewish Jewish practices from ritual bathing to avoiding representational images of humans and animals 
didn't come into widespread use until around 100 B.C. And that date is about 900 years after the Israelites settled in Jerusalem. A last little bit from the article. According to Adler, while some Judeans may have known about the religion's rules and prohibitions, this does not imply that anybody was necessarily putting them into practice. Adler examined artifacts from dozens of excavations in the Levant, as well as ancient texts, including the Bible, to determine how people behaved in the centuries before the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 CE. And our guest today, Gil, is also a Bible expert, and I would I submit probably more than the than Mr. Adler is because he really he really has this nailed. He really um well you'll see when you listen when you hear the uh our episode. But I did want to add a little bit more um after hearing the episode and hearing what we Gil and I talked about. Just want to add a few little things just to clarify for everybody. And I'm recording this right around Christmas slash Hanukkah time. So this sort of goes along with that. You know, Hanukkah, this this period what we're talking about. Hanukkah, around um, around 200 B.C., Judea came under control of Antiochus III. He was a Seleucid king um, from Syria. The Seleucids were the, um, the successors to Alexander the Great's um, empire. And they had taken over the Levant at this time. And uh, Antiochus III, he was okay. He allowed the Jews who lived there to continue practicing their religion. But his son, Antiochus IV, he wasn't so good. He outlawed the Jewish religion, ordered the Jews to worship Greek gods, and in 168 BC, his soldiers descended on Jerusalem and massacred thousands of people, desecrated the holy temple, erected an altar to Zeus, and to make matters, even just to put a little icing on the cake, sacrificed pigs within its walls. To say the least, that didn't sit well with a lot of people, and the Jewish priest, um, Mathathias and his five sons, they led a large-scale rebellion against Antiochus and the Seleucids. And when Mathathias died in 166, his son Judah, who was known as Judah Maccabee, which means the hammer, so Judah the hammer, became the leader of the revolt. And in one, by 164, they had successfully driven the Seleucids out of Jerusalem by using guerrilla warfare tactics. And the hammer called on his followers to clean the second temple, rebuild its altar, and light the menorah. And the, the seven branches of the menorah represent knowledge and creation, and they're supposed to be kept burning every night. But the story is there was only enough purified oil to keep the, the candles burning for one day. But the candles burned for eight nights. So it was a miracle. And this is the Maccabeans' um, rebellion. And by 140, the Maccabeans had expelled all the, the Hellenistic-slash-Greek Seleucids, and they actually ruled somewhat independently until about 37 B.C. And it's during this period that the article, Mr. Adler, believes that Judaism as we know it was formed. And so with that as the background, here is my discussion with Gil of a podcast of Biblical Proportions. Enjoy. Hi, Gil. Hi, Bernie. Good to see you. Good to see you too, man. Recording this on a Sunday morning? Yes. Sunday is a work day for one country in the world. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's something I learned. Something new I learned just from this. How about that? You see, Bernie, we just keep the old ways. We Hebrews. 
Our religion is much more ancient than Christianity. So we have the, the Saturday, the, the Sabbath, the Shabbat as our holiday. So you say that Judaism is much more ancient, but there's new research saying that maybe it isn't quite as ancient. Maybe it's <laughs> just a little bit older than Christianity. Ah, okay, okay. Tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, there's this new research um, from an Israeli archaeologist, and he says that that Judaism was really more from the 100s BC, so maybe only about a hundred years older than um, Christianity. That the form of Judaism that we know today really took place then, and it's not as ancient as as we may think. Which is amazing. Yeah. This research concludes that the book of Exodus didn't become revered and worshipped until the 100s BCE. Yeah. And Exodus here is important because that's where a lot of the rules, the regulations, and the holidays come from. Yeah. So apparently there was no Passover before the 100s BCE. Yeah. The 100s BCE, that's what's called the Maccabean period. Sorry, wait, you're saying, but Exodus, isn't Exodus about the exit of, you know, the Hebrews from, from Egypt and, you know, God, how long ago? 1500 BC, did they say? 1200 BC? This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Most scholars also look at these stories as something that actually happened, an ancient, ancient history. But... There's not even one single shred of an iota of evidence to suggest that anything in the book of Exodus actually happened. Yeah. And this is what I've been seeing uh, on my research on my podcast, by analyzing the texts and the stories. It's, it's funny you say that because that's kind of how my personal, audit, my personal journey learning, trying to understand um, the Bible was coming from, you know, when did people first start celebrating Passover for real. So I started like researching. I found nothing at all. Then I did listen to all of Gary Stevens's, um, you know, History in the Bible podcast. Shout out. 
Yeah, I love that guy. I even asked him, and we really couldn't figure it out. And now, so you're saying there's no, there wasn't really any celebration of Passover. So that's what this archaeological research shows, that there are no traces to people celebrating these big holidays that appear in the book of Exodus before the 100s BC. And on my podcast, going through the textual evidence within the book of Exodus, I found stories that could not have been written before the 100s BCE, which made me realize that Judaism is a much younger religion than previously thought. It's an Iron Age religion turned into Judaism more close to how we know today during the 100s BCE. Okay, let's say let's talk about who are the Maccabees and then how, and then what are the parts of the book that are the Maccabean? So the Maccabees, they're you know Hebrew conservatives, hawks, uh, yeah. zealots, religious zealots in the make Judah great again. Exactly, exactly, making Judea great again. They have conspiracy theories about how the king is killing babies. You know, this is oh QAnon stuff. While they themselves are killing babies, okay? So okay. We can, I think we can get the picture. I <laughs> can understand what kind of uh, political faction they were. Because at the time, this was Alexander the Great's like, legacies, right? We had the Ptolemies in Egypt, and we had the um, Seleucids. Seleucids. It was basically like the old Mesopotamian kingdoms. And uh, as usual, the Levant and Judah is right in the middle, and they're obviously you know, sort of fighting over that area right there. Yeah. And... They have like a window in history when the Seleucids and the other Hellenistic kingdoms are on the way down before the Romans are just conquered everything. So in that window of time, they get an independent state. Okay. In the 140s BCE. Okay. And they start to expand massively. Okay. And they have coins and they rebuild their town and they rebuild the temple and the temple in Jerusalem becomes important. And this is when, as you said, uh, Judea is uh, great again. Mm-hmm. And that's when the archaeological research sees a sudden boom of the kind of worship written in the book of Exodus. Oh, okay. They wrote a book, too, because there's a Maccabees in the Bible. So they wrote that, and then they edited Exodus, we'd say. And this isn't um, the story of Hanukkah comes from the Maccabees, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And the many Maccabean stories and elements in Exodus that could not have been written before them make me think that the Maccabees did the final round of editing on Exodus and made the book very, very close to what we have today. You said in your podcast, and I wrote this down as I thought it was really good, you said um, that Exodus is the best collaboration of all times. It's across time, space, people, you know, it covers 500 years. But, you know, even someone like me, I study this, and, and a lot of us do, but how do you know that? Like, but how do you know that? Like, do you, there's not an old copy somewhere that then, you know, like, that you found that they edited, right? Scholars have known for 150 years that at least three people wrote Exodus. Hmm. And they know which one of these three people wrote each verse in Exodus. Okay. Every verse is accounted for. Hmm. Those are the separate layers of Exodus written in different places at different times and bundled and edited together much later on. 
Oh. For some reason, this is not common knowledge, but when you read each of these layers separately in its own succession, that allows you to read the original story, how it was uh, intended to be read. Mm-hmm. It was written in one piece, and only later the editors moved things around, but you could read the original stories. So what you're saying is that scholars are able to, are able to tell that they're different writers by the style of the writing, they're probably the, you know, older words, older styles, things like that. So the way that they found the different writers from within the Bibles that we have today is by how they refer to God. Okay. And, you know, because they're academics, they gave uh, unattractive uh, nicknames to each one of these writers, the J-source, the E-source, the P-source, the D-source. Mm-hmm. Which stories in Exodus were written by the Maccabees, do you think? Okay, so the big story for the Maccabees is how they gained an independent state and their Boston Tea Party. Okay. Just like the Tea Party became uh, this uh, iconic event that supposedly started it all, it made for a good story, so it was the same with the Maccabees, with their event that was their Tea Party and started their revolution. Okay. If you see stories about the Tea Party, you know that they were written... After the Tea Party, the Boston Tea Party, right, in 1770-something. Okay. Uh, the Maccabees, because they were very violent, uh, their Tea Party, that was like a blood uh, <laughs> party. And they recounted uh, their stories in the book of uh, one Maccabees, when there's a famous line, Matityahu uh, kills uh, disloyal Hebrews and a king's man, and he exclaims, uh, whoever is loyal to Yahweh, come with me. And then they start a purge of Jews that they consider uh, disloyal. And there's an exact same story in Exodus. That's in Exodus 32. Moses and his peeps slaughter 3,000 Hebrews. It says their friends, their neighbors, just an absolute massacre. That's a dramatization. That's a story about how the Maccabean revolt went down when they started out with slaughtering their fellow Hebrews. Moses didn't really do that. <laughs> like, there's Native Americans that were slaughtered because of what's written in Exodus, you know? Wow. The pilgrims wow. slaughtered, uh, you know, a whole tribes of people because of Exodus. That was the way it's supposed to be. Absolutely, right. <gasps> wow, wow, so, wow, wow, So, but now, so we, basically you're saying is that this was put together through a collaboration through time and space. You're able to, because the scholars said that these are the, you know, these are the writers, and you were confirmed that, you could just pull those out and you could read the story, you know, each individual story, and that's how you know that where each part was put together. Now that those layers are separate, you can just go online and read them uh, as they are, and then... When you read each story separately, okay, it's just a story. Everybody can understand a story. You don't need a PhD in biblical scholarship to understand the story, a legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's a lot of fun after you understand each story individually to see how it clashes with the stories that come before or after because they were put one after the other in editing and they weren't meant to be one after the other because different people wrote them separately at different times. 
not knowing yeah. that later yeah. <laughs> their stories will be bundled together with other stories. So in one story, uh, Moses is a Hebrew born to a Hebrew woman. Yeah. In the, the next story, he's an Egyptian man who speaks a foreign language. Oh... Uh. And you know, like, 80s music is different from 90s music because culture changes. So literature from the 500s uh, BCE is different from literature in the 400s BCE and so on. Yeah. You know, writing in the Babylonian exile is not like writing while you are returning from the Babylonian exile. You know, different stories come up in different times. Oh, that'd be kind of like if we were watching a TV show from the 30s and the, from the 2020s. You know, and, and they had different hairstyles, and yes, it's just all different. But it's in the writing; you could tell, but we can't tell because it's been translated from so many languages. The layperson can't tell, but you know. So you're, and also you speak and read Hebrew, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> so you could pick this right out. Like I said, it'd be like it's kind of like when you when I was a kid, we watched Happy Days, and it was about the fifties, but they really had hairstyles from the seventies. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of the ways, you know, like a lot of the, and the yeah. concepts were more like from the 70s and, you know, they were talking about the 50s. Exactly. It's as if you would have fragments of many, many, I don't know, Spider-Man movies directed by different people. But it's always, you know, Spider-Man, if you, yeah. if you don't know your Spider-Man, maybe you won't notice that the costume looks different. <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, the slang is different, Yeah, the, the technology is different, the expressions are different, the storytelling also is different. Yeah. But if you do the editing well and you put uh, scenes in sequence that make sense, then you're discouraged to look too closely yeah. into this uh, yeah. holy movie, yeah. then it will be harder to see that this is an editing job. Okay. And then you translate it into English, into a different language, dub it. Yeah. Then it's hard to see. Yeah. Right? It's hard to notice. Yeah. It's like you have one voice actor and everything the whole time if you dubbed it. Exactly. Yeah. One voice actor. Amazing. <laughs> right. One voice actor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How can you... How would you know uh, the difference, right? Moses has the same voice all the time, even though he seems to be a little confused and doing weird stuff. Sometimes he's magic and sometimes he's powerful more and sometimes he's yes. scared. <laughs> It's um, it's amazing that it works. Like the way that he that you put in all those different Moseses, it's as if you know it makes him like a round character. Like like Jesus is not a round character. Yeah, it's not that interesting and compelling. Like you can't identify with him. Yeah, but you can identify with Moses because you know sometimes he's insecure. <laughs> yeah. So this is amazing editing. Amazing, amazing editing. By the so, Maccabees. Yeah, by the Maccabees. Interesting. As far as like we would all know, we would think, according to the chrono chronological order in the Bible, the Hebrews leave Egypt, and this is the story of Exodus, and then they, and then there's a Passover because that's part of the yeah. what happens in Egypt, right? They have to put the X on their buildings so that the angel of death will pass over them and not kill their firstborns, sons. Yes, and this is clearly a Maccabean story. I haven't gotten to it yet on my podcast, but once I do, I will show exactly how this is a Maccabean story that could not have been written before the 100s BCE. Hence, people could not celebrate Passover, passing over the houses in this final plague before the 100s BCE, because that story 
didn't exist before the 100s BCE. So are you saying that there was a there was some sort of an Exodus story written before it was modified in the yes. 100s BC by the Maccabees? So the Maccabees had something that they some meat to use to write with. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. They they only edited it and added their stories just to connect the pieces. And then so then through the centuries it just changed and changed and then when the Maccabees came in, they they're like hardcore right wingers really, then just put their stamp on it, changed everything. They they could, I guess. What what were we gonna do? Argue with them? Yeah, you're right, you're definitely right. They had a powerful king, uh Holkanus. He was a king priest. Okay, so it okay. Was, so you only had to have his permission to get this done. The editing of uh, of Exodus in the holy books. Yeah. I thought it was real interesting about how the article talks about you know, the the purity and then bathing and then how there was you know certain kind of places for you know in this in the one hundreds, you know, there's this new Judaism where people had to be bathed and, and then Christianity comes in and it's there's all this baptism. You know, it's like baptism is the part of, and it was really started really, you know, a newer thing. We, we kind of think like baptism is so different than Judaism, but basically, I mean, because why was John the Baptist baptizing people? There was no Christianity. <laughs> right, 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 right. They were all Jews. They were all Jews, right. Yeah, wow. and so he yeah, yeah, said yeah. that the archaeology, they found, no, they found things that, you know, pools to do this starting around this time. And that's where the archaeology comes from. You know, the actual proof. And synagogues, too. There's no, like, synagogues until even later. You know, where they, there was no synagogues in, yeah, yeah. in the time of the judges. <laughs> <laughs> right, which is not even a period, right? Those, that, these things right. never happen. And he also says that the concept of the Ten Commandments, as Ten Commandments, that also appears only in the 100s BCE. Oh, before the recording, I told you, you no, know, I, I haven't gotten yet on my podcast to the Ten Commandments, but I think that the Ten Commandments, that's a, that's a Maccabean edition. Wow. Ten, that's a Hellenistic number, ten plagues, ten commandments. Wow. It's not like the seven days. Wow. Like seven, three, forty, those are Hebrew numbers. Yeah. Ten? No. Ten, it's not a Hebrew number. So there's no Ten Commandments even before until, until this period? In the book of Exodus, we still have all kinds of versions of commandments. The Ten Commandments that are, you know, just like one-liner, zingers, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com I think that was added to Exodus in the 100s BCE by the Maccabees. Okay. Also, you know, conceptually, for you to get to these succinct zingers... You know, it takes some time. 
first you have all kinds of rules and regulations, and then somebody comes in and says, okay, let's just say 10. That's iconic. We can do 10. 10 is a good number. Wow. It has to be a time that 10 is a good number. That's Hellenistic times. I mean, that's like earth-shattering to people. Like, I don't know what your guys' training was, but like when we were kids, we went to Bible school, and a lot of people do, right? You go, and you know, we, used to do, we draw up color pictures of Noah's Ark, and we have Moses with the Ten Commandments. So our chronology, you know, is like God reveals himself to Moses. He gives the Ten Commandments, and that's the basis of everything. And now we're saying the Ten Commandments. We had hundreds and hundreds of years of, of Judaism. I mean, you know, thousands if you take the actual chronology, you know. I mean, Abraham didn't get the Ten Commandments, but Moses did. And after that, you know, we think that we have them for thousands of years and we really have them for, you know, well, we have them for thousands, but not three thousands. <laughs> yeah, the Ten Commandments are just 2,000 years old. <laughs> That's lame. Yeah. I think that because the texts that we have are so old, it's just shocking that someone would touch them or write them or edit them. But people always write uh, their holy books. You know, they have to write them sometime. <laughs> right. It has to be a person who writes it. And he has to write from his own context. There is no other way to write. You can't write from the context of somebody living 1,000 years later or before. That's another Right. Way. Right. Like 80s sci-fi, <laughs> they have like Perfect. the Cold War <laughs> right. in the future. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. We can only know what we know. We only live on our, you know, our own references. You know, someone raised a Catholic and it's a, someone who studies history. If I was to look at, you know, Catholic, you know, Christianity, the time of if there even was a Jesus, which has a whole other story. But, you know, let's say from 100 A.D. to 300 A.D. then to like 1500. It's like a, wow. it's not the same religion either, wow. but we, we don't call it a different religion. Right. Right. You know? I mean, they, you know, the Romans changed the religion and the Germans changed right. the religion. And used to be the Mass was spoken in Latin until the 60s in the Catholic churches. Right. Right. Uh, and about that Maccabean uh, king, uh, Hokanus. Okay. He was a very ambitious religious reformer, economic reformer, political reformer. All the evidence that we have, including this research now about these holidays beginning yeah. in the time of the Maccabees, all the pieces fit together to show that this is when the religion as we know it was formed out of existing pieces. Yeah, so he says that Judaism is, you know, he, the way he says it is it emerged from the crucible of the crucible of Hellenism rather than from the tents of Abraham or Moses. Oof. And I, I mean, that's, I feel like maybe it changed from there, but it had, the traditions had to come from somewhere. You know, the stories of Abraham and Moses are stories, but they're still based on their, you know, the, the Hebrews coming out where they lived and how they, how they lived, in, you know, hundreds of years before the Maccabees. The stories that were written and, before you know, the Maccabees. Yeah, the stories were written then, and then maybe they were changed yeah. by Hellenized. They weren't, you know, and they still, even though there was Hellenism, as you say in there, it wasn't, we still had one God, and we had multiple gods. And, yeah. you know, like, as a, as someone raised a Catholic, I know how Christianity changed over the over the, the centuries. If we looked at ancient Christianity to current one, we could say that they're two separate religions, but they're based on the same exactly. basic religion. Right. I think like it got a Hellenistic bent. When Hellenism yeah. came in, 
And also like, like the epic story of the Bible that also fits with, you know, Greek uh, epics. Yeah. Like the, the world-shifting uh, events. And that's an amazing achievement uh, for uh, editors. And I agree with you completely that I think it like reduces it to say that it emerged from the crucible of uh, Hellenism. Yeah. I don't like that. No. Yeah, right. It would be like it just came out of whole cloth from that certain era. You know, I guess it makes me think too, like this is why this area, the Levant, is such a most important place for religions because it is where the two West and East just meet right there. You know, the Eastern thoughts and the Western thoughts just clash right there and they mix and it becomes this. We have, you know, Christianity and Judaism is a Western and an Eastern religion just mixed together. Right. It's like a Semitic and an Indo-European religion. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I think this is fascinating. Yeah, it really is. I sent him an email, <laughs> the researcher, okay? I told him, okay, I know it's weird. I'm a podcaster, but I found in the text, uh, you know, evidence that supports your archaeological evidence and your argument just completely, just like it fits like a hand in glove. And he replied to me like he didn't understand anything about what I was saying. He, he told me, maybe you're talking about this theory. And he sent me to some guy who said the Septuagint people wrote the Bible. Like, in, in the, like the entire thing, mm. they wrote it themselves in secret. <laughs> like from scratch? Yeah, that's like a, whatever, <laughs> like a cuckoo theory. That's what he thought of me. Um, <laughs> so I said, oh, so no. I sent him another email. I said, no, 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 I wasn't talking about that. And I gave a little bit more detail. And just before the recording, <laughs> he sent me a, a reply. He said, thank you, Gil. <laughs> Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, his research, we read the article in the Smithsonian. I'll put a, we'll put a link right in the description. It's, it's, it looks very, very impressive. He was just wasn't very impressed by what I had, by what I had to say, yeah. even though it supports everything uh, that he had to say. But, you know, I've... Uh, that is what it is. The literature analysis, the literary analysis, and just understanding the person behind a text, using literature this way, I found that... Scholars, it's as if I'm speaking an, uh, you know, an unintelligible foreign tongue. They just like, don't understand, literally don't understand like, my arguments mm-hmm. or what I'm saying. That's what I find. It's like, what? And they assume that I always, I'm always saying something else. So I don't know. Well, I guess they get in their ivory towers. And, you know, they want the degrees. And you don't have, we don't, you know. Yeah, maybe I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I could be an idiot. But the evidence is the evidence. Yeah, the evidence is the evidence. I, I hope that, you know, that... Um, we help the people understand something maybe don't, not everybody thinks of, even a lot of history fans. You know, we don't always think about how the Bible was written like this in different parts, especially how you described it as like a Spider-Man, you know, a cinematic universe of multiple Spider-Mans all put together into one story. Maybe I should have said Spider-Men. Okay, everyone. Well, that was our episode. Thank you very much. Thanks to Gil, especially. Uh, please check out Gil's podcast. A podcast of biblical proportions. I mean, this man is super smart. And I'm telling you, I don't know if anybody if anybody is doing the work that he's doing. That's amazing. And please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash fanofhistory. A couple bucks an episode will really help us out. Go to our Facebook page. Send me a message if you have any ideas. That'd be great. When you're stealing pumpkin spice K-cups from the break room and you get caught, just distract and say, hey, check out the new podcast, What's New in History, by the fan of history people. 
And that's it, guys. Thank you very much, and uh, see you again next time. Cheers. <laughs>